KMTT, Kimitzion Tetzay Torah. Today is Wednesday, Yud Cheshvan, 10th day of Cheshvan. And today I'll be giving the second installment in the series on philosophical implications of the story of the Akedah. Last week, last week we presented, I presented the dilemma first formulated by Plato concerning the relationship between God and the good. And the way Plato presented it was that either the good is an independent entity outside of God, in which case God is subject to the good and not supreme, or the good is defined as being merely God's will, in which case it essentially does not exist as, as an independent category. For monotheists, the first option is illegitimate, which leaves the second option, and as the Raman pointed out in Menvuchim, this was the path taken by the Ashaviyah, by the Orthodox philosophy of Islam. The Raman thinks that it's impossible, because it makes a mockery of morality and ethics, to say that it is merely God's will without any independent logic, independent uh, uh, intelligence, independent uh, um, uh, existence, metaphysical existence of its own. And this question is essential in understanding Avraham Avinu's conduct in the Akedah, because apparently Avraham forfeits the ethical in order to obey God's will. <coughs> and, and in fact, that is what Kierkegaard sees as the essential point of the story of the Akedah, the teleological suspension of the ethical. The solution I presented last week was that Judaism believes in the unity, the absolute unity of God and the ethical. So therefore the question does not arise. The ethical is an independent, logical sensible, rational category, and it's identical, metaphysically identical, with God and the will of God. The upshot of that was, in terms of Avamavinu, was not that Avamavinu chooses to follow God rather than the ethical, that is, he sacrifices, what is he sacrificing? He's sacrificing the ethical, suspending the ethical in God's language in order to follow God's will. But what Avraham Avinu is sacrificing is his knowledge of the ethical. Because God and the good are one, that even though Avraham is uh, convinced by his own logic that it's unethical to sacrifice Yitzhak, since God has commanded him to do so, he now knows that it must be ethical to do so. And therefore, what he's giving up is his, his, his belief, his habit of trusting his own ethical sense, his own conscience. Now, you might claim that that's not that big a sacrifice. For a person who is an ethical person, to give up the ethical is a tremendous sacrifice. Comparable, perhaps, to what an average person would feel when he's giving up his son, his love. But to give up one's belief, one's self-confidence in one's own knowledge of the ethical 
is not that great a sacrifice. After all, God is undoubtedly more intelligent than you. And therefore, if there's a machokat, if, if there's a real controversy between me and God as to what is ethical, it makes sense to follow God. And that is true from a logical point of view. But nonetheless, I would like to show why for Avam Avinu specifically, and for a true Jew who follows in the footsteps of Avam Avinu, this in fact is an enormous sacrifice, giving up what is essential in one's life. Because the second consequence of the doctrine I presented, that the good is God, a second consequence is that human beings have a real and reliable ability to know that which is good. Basically, I'm denying two often heard assertions. The one which I refuted or attempted to refute last week was the claim that there is no true objective morality outside of God's will which was the claim of the Asharia and occasionally a claim one hears in fundamentalist circles today what God wants that's what's good I once uh, there was a book published uh, about 20 years ago uh, by the yeshiva in memoriam for a soldier a Talmud of the yeshiva who was killed in the first Lebanese war and there appeared an article there written not by somebody from the yeshiva which made the claim that there was no such thing as the good other than God's will and, and the proof was that the word Musa Musar which means ethics in modern Hebrew doesn't mean that in the Torah the word Musar in the Torah means affliction I thought that was a pretty silly uh, proof the word Tov does appear in the Torah uh, but the assumption is sometimes, is sometimes found there is no such thing as the good God's will to do God's will that, that, that's what it means to do the good so that we talked about last week but there's another uh, assertion occasionally made it could be that there is such a thing called the ethical. But man can't know it. And this assertion, in fact, derives directly, or could derive, be derived directly, from my, from my, uh, uh, from my assumption, from, my, from the axiom I laid down last week. If the good is not a human concept, but it's equivalent with God, then indeed, how could man know the good? That would mean knowing God. And just as often in religious circles it is asserted that man can't actually know God, so too man can't really know the good, the absolute good. But he does know as a, as a pallid reflection of the good, human morality. And human morality is okay, it's a good thing to follow when you have no other guideline, but it's not truly the good. It's a, it's a translated and transmuted uh, uh, derivation of the good. But the true good is God, and that's beyond human knowledge. And therefore, when God tells you what the good is, that, that beats anything that you could possibly know on your own. The two assertions are practically equivalent. They both say, do what God says, and don't waste your time with the, your own conscience, with the the musings of your heart, the misguided musings of your heart. But of course, they're logically two different things. One says there's no such thing as the good, therefore there's nothing to even worry about. The other one says there is, but you can't possibly know it, therefore go to a better source to know it. But Judaism is based not merely on the fact that there is a category called the good, but also that we can know it. And we do know it. 
And God expects us to know it. And you don't have to be a Navi, you don't have to be a prophet to know the good. That in fact, this aspect of the divine, the good, which is part of God, is knowable by anyone created with Salam Elohim, anyone who has human intelligence. Lest this seem as an extraordinary argument, I would first like to point out that the Ramam, after all, thinks that truth in general is equivalent to God. And human beings who have rationality, who have rational souls, are able to know the truth. But to know the truth is to know God. That's exactly the Ramam's point in why the, 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 the sum of human life, the goal of human life is to know God. It's not a lot that you can know. But whatever you do know is knowing truth and knowing God and that's called Selim Elohim, is human intelligence. Human intelligence is the knowledge of the absolute truth. And all I'm saying now, the Ramam I think would agree because for the Ramam is for all medievals. Moral truth is part of logical truth. So therefore, knowing the moral truth is also to know absolute truth, which means to know something about God. The proof that this is true in Judaism can be seen in a number of places. First of all, the pasuk I mentioned last week, Basita Tova Yashad, there's a commandment in the Torah to do that which is right. That's good advice. It's not saying, gee, if you have nothing else to do, so do the best you can. There's a mitzvah. Just like there's a mitzvah to do what I tell you, there's also a mitzvah to do what your conscience tells you. Vasita hatova yashar, do that which is right and just. How do you know what is right and just? What does God expect us to do? Can we come to God later on and say, I really did A, B, and C. I, I, I stepped on my neighbor's foot and, 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 and kicked him out of the way and, and took his... And, and, and took his baseball. Because I thought that was the right thing to do. So God will say, oh, well, that's what you thought. What can I expect? No. And God says, yeah, you know what's right. And you know that that's wrong. And you can't possibly do such a thing. Because you have to do that which is right and you can know that which is right. This is exemplified, of course, by one of the first stories in the Torah, the story of Cain Vahevel. God never told Cain that it's forbidden to kill. And yet, when Cain kills Hevel, on the dawn of human history, God says to him, The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. And Cain is punished and banished from human society because he's transgressed the moral law. What was called in the Middle Ages, natural law. And God expects man to know the contents of the moral law. And why does he expect it? This is the doctrine of Tzalem Elohim. Man is created in the image of God and therefore he knows God. What he knows about God, as well as any Navi, knows what God has said, is he knows what is right and what is wrong. In fact, this principle that man knows the right and the wrong and is expected to follow it even in the absence of explicit instruction is seen by Chazal as one, if not the most 
important guiding light of Avraham Avinu's life. And we should remember that Avraham Avinu's life is meant to be the exemplar of what it means to be a Jew. He's Avraham Avinu. He's our father, meaning we follow in his footsteps. Avraham Avinu invented Judaism by his personality. Later on it received content, it has Sinai, but the personality of a Jew is the personality of Amavino. For instance, the very first thing said to Amavino, God says to him, Go away from your father's home, from your land, from the place of your birth, to the land that I will show you. And Avram then goes to Eretz Canaan. The Pasuk never says that God said to him to go to Eretz Canaan. It says, go to the land, I will show you. When does he show him? Chazal notice this. Incidentally, the same thing takes place in the Akedah. Al-Echad Ha'arim. Sacrifice Yitzhak on one of the mountains that I will show you. And again, how does Avram know when he gets there? So the Medrash Shabbat going to Eretz Israel, going to Eretz Canaan, Says, has the following story. Now, the story is, is, is cute, uh, it's interesting points in the story, but I'm not interested in the story itself as the, as the principle, but I'll tell you the whole story. It says that Avraham Avinu leaves Mesopotamia, where he was living, and heads west, and he comes to what today is called Syria, Aram Naharayim, the land between the two rivers. That's not Mesopotamia, which also has two rivers, two great rivers, but it refers to the land around the city of Damascus where there are two rivers Amanau Palpar and Abraham Abinu gets to that land and he sees the major says the following he sees that the people there have parties they're, they're very rich they're prosperous because the land basically irrigates itself and takes care of itself and therefore they only have to work three or four days a year and the rest of the time they celebrate and they have a good time said Abraham Abinu, I don't want this to be my land. When he came to the ladder of 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 Tzor, of Sidon, it's what we call today Rosh Hanikra, the steep descent from what is Lebanon down to Eretz Israel. And he saw that there, the people had to plow in the time of plowing and prune in the time of pruning, and weed in the time of weeding, and because the land was difficult, and, and there was less water, and therefore to be a, a farmer, they had to work year-round, there was always things to do. And they had no time to party, no time to celebrate. They were working all the time. And then God said to them, stay here. So aside from the the kind of this medrash about the value of work and sweat as opposed to leisure and and, uh, and, and, and luxury but the point Chazal are making is that God said to Avraminu you will go to land and I will take you but he never told him until Avraminu picked it himself Avraminu made a moral choice to evaluate to appreciate Eretz Yisrael more than the land of Aram Naharaim and this is repeated a number of times in the Medrash to Avraham Avinu's life. When Avraham Avinu chooses to rescue Lot from the four kings who have conquered 
the land of Stolom and Amora and the five cities of the plain. He doesn't speak to God first. Just says he gets up. He he took his 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 disciples and he chased after him. And the midrash makes the point that he didn't know where he was going, and they objected. It's a strange word. And so the midrash wants to know what it means. One of the explanations is that he, he he embarrassed them. He turned their faces green because they didn't want to go because they said it's dangerous. Who are we? We're going to lose. And he said. You have to do it. It's the right thing to do. And God doesn't say a word until after it's all over. Then God says to him, very good. Don't worry. I'll take care of you. He should have said it before and I'll take care of you. When Abraham Avinu went to fight the battle, God didn't tell him I'll take care of you. And the Midrash has a very strong expression. One of the explanations for Bayakat et Chanichav is that Abraham Avinu says, he said to his disciples, let us go and sacrifice our lives. Al-Kiddush Hashem. Abraham Avinu thought that he was going on a suicide mission. But it was the right thing to do. And God doesn't reassure him at all. When it's all over, God says to him, Don't worry, Abraham. I will protect you. Protect you from what? The war is over. And there are a number of other cases where the Midrash says, Abraham chooses to do, and then God gives him Yashakarach afterwards. All this is best summarized by what but God says to Avinu before the Bit Milah, walk before me, not with me. I won't hold your hand. You go out into the uncharted territory, I'll be behind you. The whole Yisod, the whole principle of Avinu's life, what distinguished him from other tzaddikim, because there were tzaddikim in the world. There was Noah, there was Shem, there was Eva. Shem and Eva are alive in Avram's life. He meets Shem according to the Midrash, who was identified with the king of Shalem, Malkit Tzedek, Melech Shalem. These two tzaddikim meet, but what distinguishes Avram Avinu is that he was Hitalech Lefanai. He made the choices himself. And that's why, that's, that's a good thing, it's okay, it's mutter, it's permissible, it's even, it's even admirable. That's what made him, Avraham Avinu, that's what makes the Jew, the Jew. In fact, the original Medrash that we learned when we were in first grade, Avraham Avinu discovers God on his own. Chazal took the pasuk that appears in the beginning of Lech Lecha, this week's Pashat HaShavua. The first time we meet Avraham Avinu in a story is God is speaking to him. There says, but that's not the first time that God met Avraham Avinu. Avraham Avinu met God first, and that's why God spoke to him. But Avraham Avinu discovered God completely on his own. In either a philosophical or more, it's not important the exact details, Lam understands it philosophically. Avraham Avinu sat down and realized that the idols were mere idols, and that the wind was only the wind, and fire is merely fire. And the clouds are all servants of something which is higher. And therefore he discovered God on his own. And then God said to him, Lech lecha, It's the ultimate example of, you do it on your own and I'll give you Ashokayach afterwards. Hence, Vinu, to have to choose between listening to God's explicit word and trusting his moral intelligence, his conscience, is not the same as it would be perhaps for, for me and for you. It's as it should be for me and for you. Because Avraham Avinu, trusting his moral conscience, 
was the essence of his life. It was the essence of his moral existence, of his spiritual existence. He was a spiritual servant of God because he trusted his moral sense. Not despite or together with his loving, uh, trusting his moral sense. He wasn't religious and moral. He was religious because he was moral. His religiosity, his relationship to God was his morality. And therefore, God says to Avraham Avinu, or says about, excuse me, about Avraham Avinu, minutes before the pasuk I quoted last week, where Avraham Avinu approaches God and, and, and demands of God that he be moral. In other words, in Plato's terms, he subjects God to the moral imperative when he says, Hashofet, kol ha'aretz, lo yasem mishpat, is the judge of all the world not to do justice. Minutes before that, God explains to us why he is telling Avraham Avinu in advance about the impendent destruction of Stom. And he says, Ki yida'ativ, l'man ashe yitzaved banavit peitoach arav bishamu derech Hashem lasot stakao mishpat. What is so special about Avraham Avinu that I have to counsel, take counsel with him before I destroy Sodom. Out of all the people in the world, what makes him a unique individual in the world is that I know that he is going to command his children and his household afterwards to do tzedakah mishpat, to do justice and righteousness. Not that he will teach them to listen to God, to follow God's commands, because there are no commands yet. The Torah is not given. But he will teach them to do tzedakah umishpat, to do righteousness. That's what makes him unique individual in the entire world. In fact, the Pasuk says more than that. I skipped two words. It says, He will command his children and his household and they will observe the way of God to do righteousness and justice. Here we have an explicit expression of what I talked about last week. That the way of God and the way of righteousness and justice are equivalent. They're logically identical. Not shamru mitzvot Hashem, but shamru derech Hashem, the way of God, God's, God's, uh, God's existence, God's, God's, God's actions are and Avraham Aminu knew that. And that's why he did Stakao Mishpat without explicit commands. And therefore, at the Akedah, Avraham Avinu is not merely being modest. Okay, I won't follow my own dictates, but I will do that which God has told me. He's sacrificing, he's giving up something which has been the motto of his life till that point. You make a great enough effort, you try to understand, you can know the truth. And if you know the truth, the truth obligates. And you're willing to sacrifice your own life as he did when he uh, pursued the four kings who had taken his nephew Lot captive, you're willing to sacrifice your own life for that which is right, that which you know to be right. 
And now Avraham Avinu faces a real and true dilemma. Because he knows that it's right not to kill Yitzhak. But he also knows that it is right to kill Yitzhak because God has told him to do so. And if God has told him to do so, then it must be right because God is Tzedakah Mishpat. Avraham Avinu faces a logical impossibility. He who is the good, he who is righteous and justice, has told him to do that which is not righteous and justice. What does he do then? The answer, of course, is, I haven't changed the answer, the answer is that when you're in that kind of a crunch, that indeed, you know your intelligence isn't infallible. We follow our intelligence. Even to the extent of sacrificing one's life. You follow it as though it were absolute, but you know that anyone can make a mistake. And therefore, in the face of the explicit command of God, Avinu makes the sacrifice. But what a sacrifice it is. It's a sacrifice of, in the end, giving up that which gives light to our lives in order to do God's will. And I wish to once again reiterate how essential following one's conscience is. It's true that today we have enormous numbers of explicit mitzvot. We have the Torah and we have the Gemara and we have the Shulchan Aruch and we have our rabbis and we have our teachers. And therefore, by many, many particulars, we know what to do because God has told us. But remember that Judaism derives from Avraham Avinu. From the personality of Avraham and not from the personality of Moshe. The contents of Judaism is the Torah Misinai, but the personality of Judaism is Avraham. And Avraham did not have benefit of 613 mitzvot. He only had his conscience. And to subject oneself absolutely to do that, which is Derech Hashem, the way of God, is the essence of the personality of a Jew. And therefore, at the Akedah, Avraham Avinu is sacrificing his very personality, his moral personality, his ethical personality, that which made him, in fact, to be a servant of God. Not because the explicit service of God is a higher good, that I think would be easy for Avraham Avinu. Because he serves God, then of course he should serve God more than anything else. But here he's serving God more than he's serving God. They're both services of God. And it's forbidden, it's illogical that they should be in contradiction. But nonetheless, they are in contradiction at this moment. And Avraham Avinu gives up on himself. He gives up on his self-reliance, on his autonomy which is so important. You can't be a Jew without autonomy. You can't always say, okay, I'll do what it says in Shulchan Aruch. To do what it says in Shulchan Aruch is not to be a Jew, it's to be merely a slave. To be a Jew is to do that which is right, which you hope is written in Shulchan Aruch. And Avraham Avinu is giving up his knowledge of what he knows to be right because he trusts the word of God more. This, of course, raises the question, how did Avraham Avinu know that that was the word of God? Because if you can be wrong about logic, moral logic, if you can make a mistake in morality, presumably you can make a mistake in your ear, how does Avraham Avinu know that God has spoken to him? 
The Bamam addresses this question, and we'll talk about it next week. But it's definitely a good question. The answer has to be that Avaminu knows that God is directly speaking to him. He knows it on a higher level than he knows that it's wrong to kill Yitzchak. And that will be one of the things we'll talk about next week. We'll talk about the Rambam and what he says about the Akedah. But for now, I'd really like to sum up. We've seen two things that are philosophical consequences, lessons to be learned from the Akedah. One is that God is the good. Achdut Hatov Vaharatsan, the unity of God's goodness and God's will. That may sound a bit metaphysical. And at a future issue I'd like to elaborate more on what its practical implications are. And what it what it what it what it implies about the service of God. And the second point was the human ability to know the good. The sacrifice of Amavinu was giving up that ability, giving up his reliance, to be more correct, on that ability. Man can know the good. And the implication of that is, and this is a point that we cannot under-emphasize, under, uh, uh, that in the absence of an explicit, completely explicit command of God, then our moral uh, uh, qualms, our moral uh, commandments must be taken very, very seriously. This was in fact the Rambam's basic objection to the Asharia. There is a problem called the problem of evil. We see that there is evil in the world and it is apparently in accordance with God's will because it exists. If it was against God's will, it wouldn't exist. So God therefore wills that there should be evil in the world. But we know that evil is evil. And therefore, A, there is a problem. The solution to the problem is not to say that, well, if God wants it, it's okay. There has to be another solution. What that solution is, is not our topic today. But it's been a debate, or more, more correctly, it's been a problem that has gnawed away at Jewish consciousness since the time of Yimiyahu, since the time of Yov, Yimiyahu, who said, Lamach Derech Rishayim Tzalecha, in the entire book of Job. And there is no simple explanation, no simple answer which will simply wipe away the problem. We take what we believe to be evil and to be good very, very seriously and we in fact know that God has to agree with that. Unless we think that the Akedah teaches the opposite, that in the end one should not take it that seriously, as Vavinu didn't take it seriously, let us remember that in fact in the Akedah God did not command to do the unethical because he really did not command Avamavinu to kill Yitzhak or Naaman, he took it back in the end. In fact, Avinu was correct that it's forbidden to kill Yitzhak and it was forbidden to kill Yitzhak at that moment also. Why God is, quotation mark, pulling Avinu's leg, why he is lying to him and telling him to do something unethical without actually meaning it will be the subject of a future Shiva. Thank you, Vichol